Yeah, so Devon, um, I read and heard a little bit about your experience in psychedelic medicine and like ayahuasca, is that how you pronounce, or like other medicine. So yeah, um, yeah. maybe let's start with that. Um, like what got you into it? How is your experience and whatever magic you want to share with us? Hmm. It's always a tough one to answer in terms of how I got into plant medicine um, because everything unfolds over time. One thing leads to the next, right? So, so I have a hard time jumping to 2017 and saying, oh, you know, I, I just one day decided to do plant medicine because that's not how it worked. Um, I wasn't seeking anything really at the time. I was, I, I had a dear friend of mine that was um, really on me for two years. Come, you've got to come do this. You've got to come do this. And I was, I was like, well, you know, I'll look into it. And I looked into it and I was excited to go do it, but I was scared too. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's a big jump um, to go and do something like that. And and that's kind of the short answer is a friend a friend asked me to come and do it but the the a little bit longer probably more exciting answer is um the the history of what really unfolded that the universe was driving me into and it starts back with um uh i mean a part of it is tied into when my dad took his life when i was 13 years old and i lost six other people within about 6 months um out of that i really ended up in a situation where um i was rebelling against mm-hmm. the school systems i was rebelling against authority i was rebelling against life in general um, and doing my own self-discovery of what life looks like. And along the way, through just taking my own path and following my own path, um, I ended up in, it, when I was 20, probably 23 years old. And um, actually, I was 21 years old, and I'm driving out in here in Colorado in the, in the uh, States. And this, it was probably two o'clock in the morning and this white snow owl lands in my lane in the middle of winter with its wings spread really, really wide. And it obviously caught my attention because it's (laughs) in my, it's in my lane as I'm driving towards it and I slow down. And as I'm passing it, I'm locking eyes with this owl and it's locking eyes with me and I'm driving mm-hmm. really slow around it. And I'm just like, what is happening? I had chills all up and down my body. And, and I didn't know what to make of that, but I happened to be studying um, and working at a nutritional clinic. Mm-hmm. And the woman that ran that clinic was um, uh, she was native American and she's like, oh, that's a big deal. Like, you got to look into this stuff. And I was raised Christian, so I don't know what animal signs look like at the time. Mm-hmm. So I start studying the owl and finding out it means 
wisdom, but it means death and rebirth um, over and over in a single lifetime. And, and I'm fascinated by this. So you fast forward and I, I had started a couple of businesses and I was probably about three years into one of those companies in, in the wellness industry. And now I'm sitting at a Starbucks um, in the middle of the city and this giant Native American guy comes up to me out of the blue and puts his hand on my arm and goes, tell me about the owl. And I was like, <laughs> what? Tell you about the owl? Are you a psychic? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? Well, the only owl thing I know is this. And he, yep. he asked if he could sit down and he tells me, he's like, oh man, like one day, he says, one day I want you to go back in time and this time get out of the car and sit with the owl and ask it, what are you showing? Mm. And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> how? Like, I don't have a time machine. How am I going to go do this? So then he proceeds to take me out into the parking lot in the middle of downtown Denver in Colorado in the States. And he does a drum ceremony around me, around his, uh, <laughs> out in the parking lot. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> going on and this would just this just happens to me all the time i run into world-renowned psychics and world-renowned thought shit thought leaders and so on and so forth so um i've, I've gotten kind of acclimated to it by now but but you fast forward to 2017 and my friend who who um who was really asking me to go do ayahuasca she's like you have to come to this one you promised you'd come to this one i know you when you say you're going to do something you do it and I'm like, okay, I'm all right, I'm in. <laughs> and we go up to Boulder, Colorado, where the ceremony was going to be. And I'm walking up and down this uh, um, area they call Pearl Street. And so it's just an open kind of lots of stores and stuff on the street. And, <laughs> and I get this strong urge to walk into this store that has... Um, a lot of like spiritual artifacts, crystals, uh, uh, Tibetan singing bowls and like all those mm -hmm. things. Right. And so, so I go into the store and I walk into the back of the store and there's a crystal bowl and I'm like, oh, well, I don't know what I'm doing in the store store. I just listen to my intuition. So I start playing with a singing bowl and this little woman who probably looked like one of the most global looking women I've ever met in my life comes over and she's like, you're about to go on a big journey, aren't you? And I'm like, nah, well, everybody in Boulder is doing a big journey. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and she's like, no, no, you're about to go do ayahuasca. And I was like, what is, do I have a <laughs> sign on my head? Like what's going on? And so uh, she sits me down. And she's like, I need to clear your lower chakras so that you can really drop into the medicine. So she does some work on me. And at the end, she goes, ask about the owl. I'm going, <laughs> what is with this owl? It's been following me forever. So I, you I can't get run, to but you can't hide. <laughs> you can't hide. And, and I get to, so I, I walk out the front door of this store. And immediately there's a guy walking by with this massive owl on his t-shirt. We go up into the foothills because we're hours early. We're we're way up. We're up there way too early, um, and uh, 
uh, where we go find this little spot in this little nook on this rock to go do some meditation. And of course, there's an owl right above us, which you just don't see a lot of in Colorado. Um, And then we get to the ceremony. And my friend who invited me was there really early. And she laid out mats for everybody to lay on. Well, she doesn't know this story about the owl. She has no idea what just happened. And a gentleman who had done a ceremony the month before, who went through this Aya ceremony, comes back with two paintings. One is of Ganesh that they put up at the altar. The other was this psychedelic giant white owl. And she put my mat right underneath the owl. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, oh my <laughs> gosh, what is going on here? And so I knew that a part of my intention was asking about the owl and it was about death and rebirth. It also took me on this massive journey back in time, showing me how connected we are to all of it through all time, through all space. I sat right next to John Lennon um, and uh, while he was writing one of his songs, wishing I wrote that song and grandmother as we referenced the medicine was like you did and and then uh we went to the pyramids i'm like man i wish i could build something like that it was like you did and kind of took me through this journey of how we we have traveled through time and space and we are souls that have had many many lifetimes and mm-hmm. lots of different ways and then i blasted off into uh, into other dimensions and other places and those are harder to talk about because they, they're not materialized yeah. words but i but the vibration of me completely changed so i don't know i don't know uh what i don't know how to define what guided me to medicine mm-hmm. sure had something to do with an owl <laughs> <laughs> i'm just about to ask you so did you figure out not figure out but you know like kind of figure out what the owl is about eventually yeah well, so so in that journey, when I when mm-hmm. I went and um, I, in fact, so the the Native American guy that said, "Go, I wish someday you could go back in time and sit with that owl, and ask, what are you trying to show me?" Uh, in the medicine journey, I went back. I'm driving the car. I got out of the car and sat and looked at the owl, and that's when it took me into. Um, it uh, this is the part that's impossible to explain but basically it's its eyes are what led me into the divine perfection of everything that has unfolded in my life that then sh- showed me the the timeline of how we mm-hmm. how 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 it works basically um it unfolded every part of my life that was a major point on this map and it showed me those points on the map and showed me those death and rebirth moments and then it then it unfolded to bigger scope of things previous Mm -hmm. to my lifetime previous to other lifetimes all the way back to the very beginning of time and then all all the way forward so it's a very unexplainable experience but very 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 potent and i don't think i could have handled that had i had i looked into the owl's eyes at 21 years old that's for sure i still don't know (laughs) that i can handle it today but it happened nonetheless. <laughs> mm, I love, 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 love this kind of synchronicity. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. the amount, like I always share this with people, like, you know, like 
as I say, you can run, but you cannot hide. And um, mm -hmm. every time when I was saying whether, you know, you want to call it the angels, the spirit animal, your spirit guide, whatever name we human give it to it, right? But um, one thing for sure is that they will grab your attention until you can't hide. Like, because that kind of like our moment happened to me many many times and that's how yeah. i know like yeah they will always grab your attention and yeah. they are very very creative and they get weirder and weirder um the longer you ignore it <laughs> because it has it's to true. get louder and louder so it was just beautiful when you were saying you know that moment when you were in the car and then a native american guy coming to you out of nowhere like then another lady coming to you. It's amazing to watch how our guides manifest in human mm -hmm. form and our form, mm -hmm. whatever form, to bring you right where you need it to be. I love that. Yeah. And yeah, it's so true. Yeah. So that will have been like your first ayah that you were talking about, right? Yeah, it's been, uh, that was the first of now 35 ayahuasca journey. Wow. So you have been mm -hmm. going like what a few times a year now? Several, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What makes you continue of, doing it? Half have been for me, um, because I was called to the medicine. But mm -hmm. I, I, the ripple effect of myself going, which led to really close friends, which led to other really close friends. We've had a ripple effect of probably in the vicinity of three or four hundred people go through the medicine now. Mm. Um, if not more. And some of those have been private ceremonies where we had anywhere between 15 and 20 people at the ceremony. So people that were drawn to me, that were drawn to the medicine um, or drawn to one of our friends to do the mm -hmm. medicine, we would host ceremonies. So I um, I didn't necessarily need to grow, go for my own growth, although I was going for that but I was going to also support the people that wanted to go through the medicine because they had asked if I would be there. Oh, that's cool. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Beautiful. it's a, it's a special medicine for sure. Yeah. I mean, I have not tried it personally. So, and I, I love your story and okay, let me put it this way. So it's like, it's not the first time I heard about the medicine, obviously. And I've seen a lot of people that I knew personally who had been through that. But just like, you know, probably like how you were in the first two years or something when you were your friend was telling you and you were like, not now, not now. Mm -hmm. not now. So that's kind of like where I was. And and of course, you know, I can make up any other excuses I can as to why not <laughs> yeah. right yeah. but but the point is I just was like okay whatever you know like it's a cool thing but it's not for me and yeah and and the funny thing is like when I found you on Inside Timer you were not talking about Aya obviously you were talking about something else but because I was drawn to your energy and just the presence and the stillness and the depth of like I could feel your soul and I think that mm. is what um, I can't explain that feeling either. It, it is just kind of one of those like, um, how do I put it? Yeah, I just could feel the depth of your soul. Let's just put it that way. Like I knew mm. that this is not like 
a must like you're not teaching from the book or you're not sharing from what you heard but it's I can feel it like I can feel this guy have been through it and he knew what he was mm. talking about without knowing you have been to Aya so when I read about and heard about your experience about Aya even before today I was like oh maybe this Aya thing work huh <laughs> <laughs> But it was just kind of like um that that for the first time I was like oh this thing cool I think I just shift something about like what you shared during that timer that mm. shifted my perspective um about seeing Aya differently let's put it that way because mm. I think I was under the impression that a lot of people are using Aya just to get high yeah. so I was like then it like it doesn't make sense although I knew mm. that it is a medicine but I just probably have seen people who use it for different reason and it's okay you know there is no judgment on that they need to go through whatever they need to go through but I think yeah. that kind of gave me that ugh, ickiness initially you know yeah. and yeah but but now I'm kind of like seeing more like um how it is like a grandmother to us and the medicine and the message it brings. So I don't know. I will see what the universe brings for me, but I didn't even yeah. plan for this Aya conversation. I just knew I want to have a chat for whatever reason. But yeah. Yeah, yeah I definitely enjoy sharing it. I don't think it's meant for everybody. I do think you can get to these states of consciousness without it. Um, exactly yeah but but i also look at it's like i can hammer a nail into the wall using a shoe but we also have hammers yeah <laughs> so why yeah. not use the hammer and yeah. for me it's a tool right and yeah. there's lots of tools around the world that allow for us to access these higher states of consciousness and i can either spend my entire life on a mountaintop in the Himalayas, uh, or or I can use a tool and see what it yep. opens me up to. But the key is not the medicine. The key is what I do post medicine to integrate and to exactly. to 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 keep and sustain that frequency that I was shown. And that is the work. That is something I've been heavily devoted to for well since 2017 so yeah and that's a really great point to point out Devin um because that's also part of the reason as to you know like when I was saying I've seen a lot of people who went through the experience and when they share with me their experiences it sounds great the experience itself but I didn't really see a massive shift before and after and hence that's why I feel like what's the point you know something like yeah. that i mean with you all due respect to them and all the love it's just something that it's probably true. also an excuse i was making up but it was just that post-medicine integration is our day-to-day -day. and whether it is aya or other medicine and they are just tools so it's up to us to choose whichever tool that mm -hmm. work for us but I think what I wanted to share is just it's so important for people to understand that it is not like we have free will so we can choose whatever intention we want. There is no good or bad. We need what we need at the time. But just to be conscious that 
we are not doing it to spiritual bypass or to run away or to escape or to yeah. get high in this case, right? Where there is ayah of breath, because I've just seen people who go on what I call like spiritual shopping. <laughs> so they are just like shopping yeah. for all the experiences, but they are actually not really wanting to do the work. And yeah. I can say, say for that because I've been there, done that. Yeah. So I knew, I knew how that was like. So that's why I just want to bring the consciousness and awareness to those who are listening that, you know, you can do whatever you want, but just bring back to your original intention. Yeah, I feel, I feel there is, um, is a lack of integration with mm -hmm. the medicine. And I also feel there's a, the medicine itself is a powerful healing tool. This is merely my perspective. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong, although um, I think that the common message in, from most of the shaman that I've worked with mm -hmm. is they wish this as well, which is there seems to be an addiction to healing instead of the work to to see that you're not broken and and mm. and that you're that you've been healed right and we will go in to the medicine will get some massive message and the very next morning they tell the story of what broke them they give us the message of what was given to them through the medicine that led to potential healing but then they reattach all of their emotion to the story in their past and so they leave basically in the frequency of the broken story instead of the story of actually being healed and we perpetuate this through our storytelling right even mm -hmm. when people go off to tell how the medicine worked with them they have a tendency to talk about their past experience that they need to heal from instead of where they're going and so it, it creates this cycle of people becoming dependent on the medicine in order to heal and so it's not just integration it's the way we're setting the context of doing the medicine in the first place and i think it's 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 helping people no matter what because it is like um 10 years of therapy in a night mm -hmm. <laughs> which is great mm -hmm. you've got to be getting something out of that but I think we could be taking great leaps and bounds if people would be um, devoted to their integration, no matter what they choose, no matter what modality, me meditation or, or uh, therapy or whatever it is, um, to continuing to release the old energies, stuck energies, and move into their greatness. Um, but also... We, I personally come from the belief system that we need to start seeing ourselves as whole instead of 100%. broken, right? And, and there's not enough dialogue about that out there. And I'm not certain why, but I don't see brokenness until you tell me you're broken. I just mm -hmm. see another human who's been through stuff like we all have. <laughs> so who am I? to say whether that was bad or good, because there's always somebody that's been through worse. 
And there's always somebody who hasn't been through what you've been through. What difference does it make? What are you doing right now? And who are you moving forward from this point? And um, I think we've coddled our healing a little too much, uh, at least here in the U.S., where now people are addicted to their stories and, and their reasons why they can't instead of all the reasons that are in front of them as to why they can. And I love when you talk about addiction because the most common one that I've heard a lot is, is like, oh, that's my mother's story and that's my father's story. And they say, stick with that for like forever. It's like, yeah, I get that. This is also like, this is, I think this is kind of like the tricky part in the sense that it is that discernment to have the power to, to discern between are we holding on to the past and retelling the same story again and again? Or are we actually going through to heal it? You get what I mean? Mm -hmm. Stories like, are powerful. Yeah, like and, it's and, important and our... to acknowledge it and get it so that we don't bypass it. But there isn't a need to attach or addict to it i think that was what you were saying earlier right yeah i am and 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 just like with the questions that you're talking about mm -hmm. um, on insight timer I, I i'm very sensitive to frequencies mm -hmm. and so i'm hyper aware to frequencies and we we talk a lot in the spiritual community in particular and also in the quantum physics and world of quantum studies, how things are energy and waves and frequencies, all things. But when it comes to healing, we still kind of get stuck in matter and story. And, and I look at healing through my own healing, from my own stuff, I look at what actually moved me through and into a state of surrender as well as moving forward, um, which everything in the universe is moving forward, everything in creation is moving forward with the exception of our mind. And a good, a good, analogy here is when I moved down to Playa Vanau, Panama, and I was with my partner, Monica, down there. We were, we were taking yoga classes, and I love yoga, but I hadn't really ever done yin yoga. And the long, long 5, 10, 15 minute stretching per pose, right? And deep, deep, deep releasing mm -hmm. in order to stay into that pose. And week one went by, week two went by, week three went by, and all of a sudden week four goes by and Monica's triggered. Like she's now bawling her eyes out, crying because she released something that was stuck that needed that, that, that attention in her body where energy had been stored. And I was like, wow, that's powerful. So it encourages even more. And we go back and we're doing more yin and more yin. And by about week eight or so, uh, maybe longer, maybe week 10, I'm sitting there and I feel this release in my body of energy. And all of a sudden, I have this overwhelming joy shooting through my body. And I just was laughing. <laughs> I just couldn't help myself but laugh. <laughs> and I was like, 
wait a minute, that's that was in my hips. Joy was trapped in my hips, just like her sadness was trapped in her hips. And I realized at that moment, it's it's our story is irrelevant. What gets trapped isn't the memory of the story. What gets trapped is the energy um, that 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 is associated to that particular moment in time mm. as to whatever trapped that energy. So something happened to me to where I felt like I could not express joy and that happened multiple times. And so my body trapped joy in its body in, in my cells. And it wasn't until I really got into some deep work that that energy was finally able to get released. Same with Monica. So if we look at healing from an energetic perspective, what was taught to me through that moment from that point forward is memory isn't isn't story memory in ourselves is purely stuck frequencies mm. and if we use judgment which is the story that encompasses or encapsulates the stuck energy like i i look at judgment as an as a frequency that's kind of like concrete so the stronger i judge the emotion the more stuck that frequency in mm. that emotion is that chemical and that frequency is stuck in my body and so um when I can surrender the judgment, which means don't go to the story, it means just let the energy mm. out, whether you need to cry, whether you need to be angry. And as soon as you emote that energy, don't go looking for where it came from. Don't go into the past because what you'll do is you'll find the story again and re-anchor that judgment and emotion by reliving the story that isn't even here anymore. And so mm. I was like, wow, what a powerful healing tool to be able to know that there are whether it's plant medicine whether it's yoga whether it's meditation whether it's breath work it doesn't really matter what modality it, it can release without the need to find out where or why it came from and and if you just let it go it can actually be gone that that's that frequency will have dissipated and you won't have it stay in the body unless there's still some trapped stuff left over. But if you work on releasing, work on releasing, work on releasing, at some point, not only is the vessel going to be pure and cleaned from that stuck energy, now your cells are going to be replicating with new frequency instead of carrying that same energy from cell to cell to cell. And so... The key to the whole game of healing, I'm pretty convinced at this point, is if we look at it from a frequency perspective and an, a chemical, which is basically just at a deeper level, energy, right? If we can dig deep enough to release those energies and let them go without judgment and without story, we can actually begin to, the process of letting go of a lot of these issues, disease, disease and a lot of mm -hmm. other things. Love that. I lost my train of thoughts, but but like yeah, <laughs> I was like yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, it is. Um, that's why it's called energy work, right? Like we're right. working with the energy, not the story, and not the judgment. And this comes from a long culture of 
like again as I said you know we go through what we need to go through at different time and space because like for me I started the journey both personal and pro meaning like I was coach and I became a coach so you know I started with that typical coaching where you know we got to understand where it come from and then like to work mm -hmm. on the belief system you get what I'm saying and yeah. then I move on from I still do some of that but not like my main thing but I can't move on from that to more on working with the energy because it's exactly everything mm -hmm. you say. At the end, it is the energy. It's just like for the purpose of some people who want to satisfy their mind, they need to have that attachment to the story and that justification and explanation. And it worked while it worked and it was okay. But at the end of the day, um, the real, real, real healing happens when we surrender to the moment and we trust the process mm -hmm. and we don't even have to understand what happened. A lot of my like, he, you know, like aha moment or healing moment, whatever you want to call it, happened just like that. Like, oh, yeah. like it shifted. Like what happened? I have no idea. But but that yeah. is when it is really on a deep cellular level, right? Yeah. And I really, sure. really love your perspective on releasing joy from your hip because that's the first time I heard um because like most of the time again you know like this is another thing that I talk about a lot it's like this spiritual drama like yeah. these we like people yep. just dramatize it and I'm like chill dude chill chill like it is just experience <laughs> like yeah. like I mean, I knew it's tough. I knew it's not necessarily easy, but but there is no need to to like make a drama out of it. But okay. but so um, where was I? Yeah. So like a lot of the time when we talk about and this is especially true um in the divine feminine work, whatever that we want to call it, but we see it so much in Instagram and social media about releasing energy and the hip uh, you know like releasing hip releasing emotion but it is always associated with crying and crying and crying uh, no. right no. i've never heard someone who told me that they laugh after um doing that pose and i'm like oh that is cool and your perspective on how joy is being trapped that is so true rather than again you know focusing on it's not always like the sadness that is being trapped, but it's the polar opposite of the joy that is also being trapped. Mm -hmm. It's like same side of the different coin. So that's really, it really is. no different side of the same coin. But like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, other side of the same coin. Yeah. It's it's interesting because uh, you know, I, without looking for the story, I thought, why would I trap joy? And and it kind of led me down this whole uh, um, download and and. And the 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 human nature, where I associate it to like walking through a park. And if if you saw somebody crying on a bench, and your 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 um your empathy kicks in, you want to go hug that person. You want to coddle that person in their pain. But you see somebody standing in the park laughing out loud at themselves and just joyfully skipping around you judge that person, <laughs> right? You don't look at them, most people. I'm not saying that, that you do specifically. Or something? <laughs> like... Exactly, that's right. We think, <laughs> oh, they're cr that's a lunatic. But the person crying is somebody that I need to coddle, right? Why are we not uh, 
going out and and not only hugging the person who's expressing joy, but moving into joy with them, right? Mm. We're, we're, we're really good at sitting next to our friend who's in tears and holding them and crying with them. But when somebody else is just in bliss and their life is perfect and their life is great, we're like, ew, ew I don't want that. It's weird. It's a weird it judgment is. when somebody is in joy and, and actually enjoying life. And I think that that needs to change. I think we need to do more coddling of the greatness in life and love on people who are experiencing great things. And and I don't think we need to push away people who are going through pain, but I'm personally taking a stance that if if it's tough now, I'll love you, but I'm not going to coddle you. I'm not going to sit with you and and over time um, keep you stuck in this belief that you're a victim. Mm. Right? If it's tough now, somebody if somebody passes away or somebody loses their their dog or whatever it may be, that's hard right now. Mm-hmm. But two years from now, I shouldn't be hugging you around that. <laughs> like we, it shouldn't be the reason you haven't moved on with your life, right? It should be maybe an inspiration so that you live your life, not a reason to not live your life. And we 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 just have this, particularly in the States, we have this tendency to really coddle way too much in the stuckness of life, the shadow stuff of life, and and judge those who are in joy, judge those who are in abundance, judge those who are 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 um, playfully experiencing whatever they want to call in. We think, how could you? Why are you not giving more? Why are you not doing more? Why are you not? How come you feel that way and I don't? Like. It's just, it's a strange mm-hmm. thing to me when mm-hmm. we are blessed to be in, 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 in parts of the world where we're not facing war, where we're not in the U.S. particularly, where we don't have these horrific things happening around us. And I take that as a responsibility to raise the vibration on the planet because I'm so fortunate to be in a place where I have the ability to raise my vibration, where I have the ability to go experience joy, where I have the ability to go be abundant, how dare I not capitalize on that and and use it as a way to support other things in the world? It doesn't. I don't want to hoard the money. I don't want to keep it to myself. I don't want. I want to share it. I want to raise the vibration of the planet. But I. To sit around and not capitalize on my opportunities in a world that I live in when I know damn well that I could go and use that as a way of serving others, it's just, it's so frustrating to me to be, and then you get beat down for doing it. <laughs> it's such a funny thing. You're, you're now, now you're successful and, and people want to, tear you down and it's it I'm, I'm just trying to figure out the whole when when do we choose greatness and abundance and lightness and joy and happiness and actually choose it for ourselves and not wish that we had it mm-hmm. yeah it's really 
I really love um the part where you were sharing everything about that because what came up to me was, you know, like there is like a saying where people always say like your true friends are those who are with you when you are down. And I'm like, uh-uh-uh, it's also those who are with you when you are on your up. It's easy to be with someone who is on your down because people love to, you know, it feels good to be, you know, sitting with misery and not feels good. It's easier to sit with misery and victimize because your ego doesn't get triggered. But like when when that person is really rising and doing the work, where, who are staying? That is also coming from mm -hmm. my personal journey, right? Because I came from a corporate background, which is like, you know, totally opposite to what we are talking about today. Like 10 years ago, <laughs> me talking about this, am I crazy, right? <laughs> and naturally, like when I did that progress, I could literally count how many people stayed at the end because yeah. it was just, you know, anything from, um, yeah, just anything from like asking, oh, are you sure like this will make money? Or are you sure this is making sense? Or is this like even the evil work, right? From a Christian point of view, right? Or yeah. whatever. So anyway, um, those who stayed on are who stayed on. And that's what I meant. Like it's when you are rising up, who are still with you. And, mm -hmm. and you are so right about us having that capital about whether we choose to raise our vibration or not. And that there are many ways to look at things and we can choose to be a victim or we can choose to mm -hmm. try over it, right? And and try over it and like do something different about it. It's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah and and, and also be... like it, we are also so afraid to feel good. I think that was what's happening too. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It, Which is why uh, it's, it's yeah. hard to celebrate goodness and greatness and laughter. Yeah. Yeah, it it it's an interesting one for sure. I I'm I'm fascinated too by um how do I put the There, there is a truth to selfishness, and when when we talk about choosing oneself and loving oneself, you and I aren't talking about selfishness. We're talking about what I like to equate to um, if you, if you're a person that wants to be a serving individual, you want to serve and give back. There are a lot of really, I think, kind people who are choosing some level of service in the world. But I've noticed as I've worked with nonprofits that so many of the people who come and donate their time, if you sit down with them long enough and you dig to the core of why they're there, it's ultimately so that be, because they're trying to fill a void within themselves. Mm. They want to feel good about themselves by doing something good. And the again, looking at things from a frequency perspective, 
that's actually a draining energy. It's not a giving energy. So if I show up yeah, somewhere, to take. yeah, if I show up to serve someone who's in need and my cup is empty, I am taking their energy from them. So I'm not, not really serving them. And now we're both empty. Mm. And, and so the type of self reflection, self love, fulfillment, expression of joy, choosing to discover the good things in life, the happiness, the things that make you happy, choosing what, what, what we've deemed in our community on Insight Timer, micro-wanting versus micro-suffering, these micro-decisions where I just want to be a little more comfortable, so I'm going to put a blanket around me. And those little simple things that are wants instead of little sufferings, we have micro-fulfillment. And we can, through that process of filling ourselves up in these micro-moments over and over and over mm. again, all of a sudden I am in a state of sometimes euphoria, sometimes just happiness, sometimes joy. Uh, I'm seeing with new lenses and my cup is full. So then when I go serve someone, I'm actually able to fully give to them energetically as well as through abundance and any other way that I need to serve. And I'm not um, a, an energy vampire. I'm not trying to get fulfillment from this level of service, right? And so I do think that we have a lot of that in the world as well, even if it's not in a charity, charitable concept, but friend to friend, right? Oh, oh, I'll go give to my friend because it makes me feel good because when I give to my friend when she's down or he's down, then I feel better about myself. But then I, <laughs> we both just end up in that misery two, keeps coming. We end up with two state, empty cups. Right? <laughs> exactly. Just draining each other even more. And and nobody's, nobody's devoted to the fulfillment of their life. I shouldn't say nobody is, but I mean, mm. in that scenario, no one is, right? Um, and it isn't until you're choosing to pause life, sl go slow to go fast, meaning slow down to bring a level of awareness to those micro-suffering moments, to those empty moments. And what I love about the questions, without answering anything, just posing a question is it's like creating an empty container where I don't jump to the need to fill it up. And I learn how to sit in emptiness in order for it to fill itself up, meaning the question will come over time. And if I allow myself to bring awareness to what is emptying me, what is draining me, what is not serving me, and I sit in that for a little while, then ultimately the energy will automatically change itself. It will begin if I just bring awareness and pause without reacting, without needing to answer, ultimately the energy energies will start to shift and then I'm able to go out into the world and I'll perpetuate this energy that is constantly filling me up, which is constantly filling others up. Mm -hmm. I think the part where you are talking about uh, the, don uh, the, the people who are donating their time, da, 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 da. and I think it is like what they call like the drama cycle, like wanting to be a saver, savior to the victim. I think that is the cycle we see a lot. And in daily life as totally. well, people just want 
want to save, right? But nobody needs saving in that sense. But uh, but I yeah. think the it is just again, you know, I think it's about coming into the intention again. Am I intention truly to serve, or am I intention right. to take? Because the fact is, when we serve, we get served in the end. Like like it is two ways because that's how energy works. But it also starts with that intention of where we are coming from. Is it from love or is it from fear? And also to have that, so to speak, selfishness to fill our cup up first, because otherwise mm-hmm. we end up with two empty cup rather than two full cup, right? So it's right. beautiful that you bring. And beautiful thing that you talk about that question. And so... I can't even remember the question we talked about, but I had, so like that very inside term of life that I was in um, where, you know, like you posted that question and I wrote it down and then I let it go. And mm-hmm. I think two days later or something, I woke up having the entire answers to the question and I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, okay. Now mm-hmm. I forgot what the question was. But, but <laughs> well, you don't need the question anymore. Exactly, but um, but yeah. that proved to show that whatever you were saying works in the sense that that is to me what is called integration and it is what is called mm-hmm. an energy shift and frequency shift because to the degree we are still thinking about it, then we are still in our mind rather than like truly embodying it. So yeah, it's just beautiful that you put that into perspective. So to give perspective to those who are listening, mm-hmm. who might not have been inside time alive, what essentially mm-hmm. Devon was doing was he posted a question and then asked us to contemplate rather than trying to figure the answer out now. So there is no need to go on a 10 pages journal on that. There is no need to (laughs) sit there and wait for the answer or not even a need to discuss that. But for once in your life, maybe um, learn how to let it go and surrender and see what the universe brings. Maybe the universe Mm -hmm. will bring you the owl like it does to Devon and the Native American guy and the singing world or whatever, you know, whatever signs and synchronicity and messages that universe wants sent to you. If you stay in the present moment, just like how he mentioned about like the micro moment, moment to moment, we can choose to listen and observe what the universe sent to us and choose what to do with it and choose whether we want to move from micro suffering to micro what's the other one micro wanting or micro fulfillment or micro fulfillment so it's a moment to moment awareness moment to moment choices and we get to choose so with that yeah i think the the key is and and it's way easier said than done if you Definitely. can use questions without the need to answer them it's a great stepping stone towards being an empty vessel so that now fills you up because now is all there is right mm. and to your point that you were just making um if i allow for the showing up to come into my life now i will get the answer when it's time to get the answer and the same thing arrives with all aspects of life 
if I'm walking through life as a happy container, ready for whatever wants to come through right now, life becomes totally magical. And I, I remember now. I remember the question suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about um, magnetism, and then you were talking mm. about finding the ordinariness in the ordinary life, something like that. And then it mm -hmm. hit me because, you know, like I. I'm someone who loves the wow experience in general, like in life, right? Whatever wow experience means. So yeah. an ordinary life, from my ego point of view, is boring. It's mundane. You know, it's like, like it shouldn't be the aim of life and things like that. However, when being posted that question, then I don't know, I just had this sudden awareness that it is whatever we just talked about, you know, it is about mm -hmm. like if you can't find magic in the now, yeah, then it, it doesn't matter how you define ordinary because there's only now. So it doesn't matter who you are yeah. with, where you are, what you are doing. But if you can't find the happiness or the joy or the fulfillment or the magic in the now, then there is there's no magic. Simply put, yeah. I can only put it that way. It's hard to put it into words, but the dullness moment, was the word. Da, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dullness, yeah. Because it's funny, you know, because I even like even with colors, I don't really like dull color. Like I don't like yeah. off color. I don't really like gray yeah. or or so so it yeah. hits to me on my all level, you know, visual, mental and all level. But but then suddenly I'm like, oh, okay. That is um that's really interesting. So now yeah. I'm looking at dullness differently. <laughs> yeah. If you can sit, the whole point was, if you can sit in the ordinariness or the dullness of life, then, and, and, and find satisfaction in that and find magic in the dullness of life, then life itself becomes magical, becomes yeah. magnetic. You become magnetic. Mm -hmm. The other, the other way this was put for, was from our shaman to two really successful gentlemen in the room during an Aya journey. And he said, can you be as valuable doing nothing as you are, are the greatest something you'll ever do? And we didn't get it at the time, but mm -hmm. over time sitting in that question, realizing being alive is the most valuable thing I could be. And if I see and feel and experience that value of life itself, then I value your life. And then when I value my life and your life and life itself, then I actually step into being as valuable as I want to be. I can choose all of the abundance that I want. But if I'm pursuing value, thinking that I need that value in order to fill myself mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. then I'm constantly, again, pursuing that emptiness. Coming back to what you were talking about, that we are already healed, we are already already whole, already complete, right. already free, and already worthy and valuable. That's so right. as we come to start to wrap up this conversation, maybe we will, how about like we leave our listeners with one contemplative question that you might have <laughs> for them so they can practice what we talk about today to let it go and let the answer come. Mm. 
Can you find magic in the dullest moments? How can you find magic in the dullest moments? Beautiful. So let that question sit in and let the answer come or not come, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> just let it go. Now, thank you so much, Devon, for, you know, being here, for being present, for sharing your magic with us. Do you have any last thing you want to share, if any? I'm super grateful for you. Thank you for having me here. And uh, I look forward to, to getting to know you better. Awesome. All right. Once again, thank you. It's been amazing. And yeah, take care and I'll see you around.